0: Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, uh, full depth of field focus intact for his webcam. I mean, Cameron, just professional to the nines. My good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy.
1: Dude, how you doing? I'm good, man. Um, Happy pre-Super Bowl, you know, whatever, uh, which you know, for me means like maybe some movie trailers dropping, you know, which I'm yeah. excited for. All right.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to say, Oh, you know, you're a chief fan. How, I, Hey, congratulations to the bangles. They totally deserve that win. Mm-hmm. They outplayed us and congratulations to the Bengals fans, man. Cause like you want to talk about a group of people that have, <laughs> ex- I know you don't know a lot about sports, but Bengals fans have been through it. Like they, they deserve a little success and, I, I applaud that, and uh, I'll be rooting for him in the Super Bowl. The Rams are a great team, too. Um, but anyway, I don't know if I'll watch. I'll probably just pop on the Lord of the Rings um, you know, trailer and see what's going on there, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Anyway, dude, I know you want all my sports takes, all my sports takes, um, but we don't have time for all that. We've got to talk about Magic the Gathering, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, Mm-hmm. A set which I'm uncomfortably positive on. I'm really excited for this set, but we've actually been playing Magic the Gathering this week. We're going to talk about that. We do have to get through, as per the usual for us lately, some news that maybe isn't so great. Uh, but there, I, I feel like there's a tidal wave of positivity coming in on this episode, and that's a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to start high. Got to start high. Cameron, talk to me about this Pioneer format that you've been just... Digging into.
1: yeah, I, I love it. Uh, Pioneer is where it's at. And I think I, I don't know. I don't know if this thing is going to last or not, but like within my shop, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of modern players who obviously have all the cards mm-hmm. um, for Pioneer. And so you see a lot of like trickle down from that as well. And it's, like I said, a really, really, really good format. Um, It continues to surprise me. It continues to, like, um, intrigue me with some of, the, like, the things that you can do. Um, and you, as I put in the notes here, I mean, $300 can get you, like, I think five or six very playable competitive decks. Like, I mean, wow. very, very good decks, right? Um, obviously, I think the blue red phoenix deck, the one that I've been playing, it, it's clearly the best deck. And I would suspect if like Wizards was actually paying attention in this format, that maybe at some point something, a key component from that, would get banned just because it is such a resilient, good, strong thing. And I don't feel like I have like a really bad matchup. I would say maybe like the blue white control list is like my worst matchup just because they sometimes will have main deck graveyard hate, which can, you know, get hurt your, me, Yeah. Right. But um, not always, <laughs> but not always. Yeah. Sometimes you just hard cast a Phoenix and you go right. And it's all yeah. good. So, um, anyway, like I've had some really good success. Not only can like, I think $300 get you a good deck, but, um, due to my shop proof is in like $30, uh, mono black devotion. There is no I mean, we're talking like uncommon bonanza. Yeah. And I mean, went into the top five. You know, I mean, so like we're talking like some real competitive decks for super, super cheap. Um and it's not tainted by Pioneer Masters 2.0 extravaganza, right? I mean, it's just here's what you get for the last 10 years. So um yeah man like I don't have anything really new to say about like the the tournament itself um I went 3-1 um and I performed really really well I thought um but once again like my, all my opponents I just felt like none of the matchups that I was playing against where I was like I am dominating or they are dominating me it was just real good competitive magic
0: and from what I've seen it's relatively interactive too yeah. There's not a lot of non-interactive combo. You can kind of comfort. It's in that stage where you could comfortably play a mid-range deck. Um, the the big question mark moment is when someone tells you that treasure cruise is legal. You're like, wait, what? Treasure cruise is legal in a format? This, this can't yeah. be real. Yeah, treasure so cruise and
1: Winota is still the thing that I'm just like. it, it it's not like amazing or over the top, but I, every single time it goes off i'm like how is this right this just does not make any sense <laughs> but uh, you know whatever it's fine right now it's fine
0: well cameron they banned her in the historic and that's the only format they care about right now that that's non rotating until <laughs> they rotate it and make you by the way you get it you get it yeah yeah um no dude i hope pioneer has a, a scene we haven't really talked about this but this the the place i usually play at on their official schedule at Facebook, the only night that they have for Magic now is Commander.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: So they I they have dates for Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon, and Commander. And I mean, we're talking about a place that I've played at for uh coming up on 14 years. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're <laughs> at there. That's um incredible. Yeah, so they don't have flesh and blood, but another shop near me does. So maybe that's where I'll head if I feel like doing paper. However, uh, I've been just continuing to kind of play the blue-white control deck that I played on Arena. Again, it it feels almost like not worth it to talk about this metagame for Standard because it's going to change so drastically in the next, like, whatever, (laughs) two weeks, Mm -hmm. week. But uh, the black-white control deck, black-white midrange has really kind of been a centerpiece of this format, and I find the blue-white control deck that I'm playing just grinds. I mean, these matches, dude, it's not unusual for me to deck a black-white control deck or for them to run out of... And, and they're running a lessons package, and I still deck them. Like, it is hmm. really grindy, and I love every minute of it. I'm playing that one... I Again, typical card, just can't remember the name of the card... It's three mana sorcery, choose four cards from your deck, shuffle them back, or from your yard, shuffle them back into your library, then you look at the top four and pick a card out of it. And so what happens is, there is a a planar cleansing variant, and you just keep recycling those against these decks that lean so heavily on enchantments, auras, creatures, whatever. You just keep blowing stuff up. You don't care, and so many of these decks are kind of programmed to Oh, I'm playing an answer control deck. So let me invest in some plane walkers. Let's get Lulth or let's get Sorin or mm-hmm. whatever. And you cackle as you clear the board. And so yeah. I found really immense satisfaction in that. However, it's caused me to get like one or two matches in a night, not, <laughs> yeah. you know, five or six that I'm used to. <clears throat> so there, there is that element of it, but it, it's a good time. And it's kind of been the shelter in what's otherwise been a really difficult time for me in terms of deciding what to do with magic. Because I always, I like, first of all, you just heard me talk about my shop. But there's also just, like, this weird, like, am I really considering going back to MTGO right now? (laughs) If I rent, if I do a rental program for 35 bucks, is that really less expensive than Arena at this stage? Hmm. Even Mm -hmm. with all the... Card equity, I have accrued in Arena. I mean, like, and I've mentioned this before. I used to be Mr. $50 per set, and I could hit – I mean, dude, I had everything. Historic, Mm -hmm. standard, like the gamut. No problem. And now, A, I'm not as interested in the grind, and that's part of it. I'll fully admit Mm -hmm. that. Um, But secondly, I kind of – when you're not playing historic, dumping the money in for the sets really hurts right yeah <laughs> and i i don't know so i'm in this mode of like okay well i can't really play paper standard because that's not my life right now um and i don't know i mean my inclination is i'll give arena just maybe out of sheer like inertia mm-hmm. uh, another another go through standard but then it's like okay i really got to think about this because if i buy into a standard deck on mtgo i could sell it this is true however i'm i i'm not the kind of guy that needs an event and event buy-ins have always been my biggest hang-up with MTGO, and I think one of the bigger positives of Arena is you can just go, and you don't have to worry about you constantly buying at, it right, with yeah. six. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't love that, and I don't love – unlike other people, I really tend to hate the trading element of MTGO. And for better or worse, uh, MTGO matches take a while. They just mm-hmm. do. they are they're, they're not as many things automated – I'm not a slow player. I don't think anyone's ever accused me of being a slow player. Mm-hmm. And yet I still have trouble um, with the actual tempo of the interface on MTGO. So, yeah, um, this set looks so sweet, Cameron. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's really rough. But maybe I just don't buy any of it. Maybe I just sit there for just, two weeks.
1: Maybe, yeah, wild card it and yeah, I don't know. It could Become a internet. limited
0: player. Uh I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I've been through limited phases in my life and I I really do enjoy that format a lot. I just find that it is the most demanding. You wouldn't think Mm -hmm. so, but getting what I want out of limited, as you know, I'm a serial researcher. Like, yeah, yeah. I really, really, really lose myself in it and that can become problematic in terms of time. Um, All right, Cameron, let's get out of this segment. We're going to come back and talk about. Before we get to some of these other Kamigawa things, I do want to talk about these other things going on with Watsi. We'll be right back. (music) Karen, I I want... There's a few things I want your opinion on. Um, Before we get into a couple more of these Kamigawa Neon Dynasty things, dude, this set is just chock-a-block with interesting cards. I just tried to grab a few. But more interestingly... Um, this got shared out on Twitter, uh, by Cube April, and it is, uh, January, it says this, January 2022 was the m- worst month of Magic streaming since the launch of Arena, with the second and third worst months being December and November 2021, respectively. Now, here's the thing. When people have been talking about this on other shows and articles, they misread it and to read Arena Streaming because the the thing says when arena since arena came out. No, no, no. This is all magic. So like when I've seen a lot of people say, "Well, this just proves that people are going to MTGO." No, no, no. This includes MTGO, this includes live paper events. This includes it all. Look at that graph. Mhm. So um What do you think, Cameron? Should I <laughs> Can you give me a positive spin? Can you bring some Iowa into this?
1: I don't know, man. Um, it's it's so frustrating because, like, I mean, two years ago, I was talking about like them completely moving away from what I thought was like the core thing of like what ma- what made Magic special. Um, they pivoted and went in a different direction, and. You know, for the last two years, we've heard like this is eSports. We're going to be it. We're going to be the next, you know, insert top 10 Twitch streaming service yeah, or Twitch streaming game that you have. It ain't happening. Um And I don't know how you write this wrong because you just need to go back, I think, to what – the essence of like competitive magic that makes it good for streaming. I don't know. Like I, I just feel like, like writing was on a wall two years ago when they started pivoting to the esports or chasing after an esports model that they would never attain.
0: Uh, agree. Also, man, it's like the beginning of December. Something happened that maybe turned some people off. Perhaps it was the Alchemy announcement. I mean. <laughs> I i mean, we're rapidly yeah. heading towards. So first of all, I know the spin is going to be because I've heard crazy. I shouldn't say heard. I've read crazy mm. thoughts on this because there's always a group of people that are going to be apologists. And I hate myself just enough to scroll through Twitter too often. So here we are. Right. And there are people that have said crazy things like, first of all, well, that doesn't mean anything with regards to the profits. And it's like hold on, you can't have a metric that is this massively bad.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: spin to me, well, it's irrelevant now. After you've been chasing Twitch influencers, views, you know, you li- Watsy literally bought into Twitch views to, like, pump up their viewership numbers before. So don't sell to me that, oh, well, that's not the thing that matters. The people that are looking at the No, 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 you don't look at a massively bad symptom of health for your game and go, it's fine. You know, baseball battles this like crazy – Because the metrics for who watches baseball is mostly over 50, Mm. right? And baseball hasn't figured this out either, that this is a metric you cannot ignore. Yes, those people tend to have more disposable income, but that doesn't save where you're at, right? And I would also argue that in my day-to-day life in education, if we saw a chart that looked like this, I mean, it would be an all-hands-on-deck. You know what I mean? Like It would not be a... let's say like some kind of reading comprehension metric on a test came out looking like this at a three-year low i mean that would be you know defcon five let's figure out what's going on and so i hope Wadzi is doing that but we're also rapidly approaching and i and i and i think this just needs to happen alchemy needs to be undone Mm. like i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm going to be the first to say because i the crazy things i've heard have been like oh well Content creators are too negative, and that's what's affecting these numbers. You know, there's a, there's a cloud of negativity around alchemy. That's true, and it's deserved. And don't give me, just because content creators are negative about something, you can't make money. Like, be around a Call of Duty community for about <laughs> half a second, <laughs> right? Like, if you're driving – what's driving your profit mindset is what the fan base is saying – I mean none of the video game companies would be doing anything they right would be out of business yeah yeah, yeah so like let's let's not go there. but like guys, you made a catastrophic miscalculation. Your boat is taking on water. It's time to say, okay guys, alchemy undone. wildcards back in your account. here's how we're gonna dust. here's how we're gonna let you dust. you get yeah. old historic back. We are going to make paper historic and we are going to get Pioneer on this freaking client. How, I mean, this is not hard. So, I mean, yeah. M- <laughs> now, now it's, I mean, I, I, it's not hard for me to say. It would be yeah. hard to do, yeah. but at some point, you got to cut your losses. And this is getting brutal. Like, look at this chart, dude, for the, the lowest in three years. Name yeah. another business that wouldn't be like,
1: okay, no, guys, no. we got to
0: do something, you know? Yeah. And uh, I got to ask you, Cameron, have you ever heard anyone say anything positive about alchemy?
1: No, no. I mean, it's always like it could be cool, but but asterisk, right? Like, I mean, it's always like, no, I have not heard a single person speak fondly, highly in any positive light about this. I mean, no.
0: It's just amazing how toxic of a product it is and how we're all just kind of keep pretending that, okay, this is our new – this is the new outlook. And it's like, no, guys, this Mm -hmm. plane needs to get scrapped like now. It's dead on arrival. Yeah. Yeah. And it's time. It's time to go, okay, guys, sorry. You know, here's our apology. Here's how we're going to take action. We are going to fix this, right? Mm Because – I i it just feel it just feels like this is not 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 working. All right. That aside, the other thing I wanted to mention here, Cameron. This is so weird. So Duel Masters is a game in Japan published by Wizards of the Coast. Okay. And they're doing this rare uh reprinting. I mean, it's it's in the the back of the card is Duel Masters. The card box is like kind of like dual dual master stuff. But the art it's a black lotus. It's the art yeah. of a black lotus. It's the text of a black lotus. Uh and <laughs> I mean, I guess this is one way to get around the reserve list. Uh I don't know if I should be applauding this or horrified. Uh both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, you did it. I think uh, I looked on eBay it was like 70 bucks. You can go get a Black Lotus. Yeah. Um almost assuredly this will go up in value. Um
1: But dude, I yeah. I'm buying I'm buying some I'm going to suit up a, a proxy vintage deck and away we go and I'm like super excited. Uh but uh, I mean it's also just like like pouring vinegar on this wound that is the reserve list and just like what it reminds me of like this amazing product that you have these two incredible formats one which is like legit amazing and the other ones which is just bonkers but I would love to play um it just reminded me it's it, it's upsetting you know but yeah I'm gonna I'm picking up one of these for sure
0: yeah dude. <laughs> It's like, I'm kind of insulted, but
1: I kind of like the plan if we could do more of these. Put it in a cube. Just put it in your cube. What harm is there?
0: I mean, honestly, like, I don't know why they don't just. We've gotten all this collector garbage. Can we not just get dual land, like print whatever you want on the back? I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know? If you want to, you know, print your CEO with hundred dollar bills coming out of his sunglasses, <laughs> I don't care.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, uh, but it's weird. Okay, Cameron, just just a couple just a couple touches of cards from Neon Dynasty that I thought were interesting. Uh, why don't you read for us? Farewell.
1: <laughs> Farewell. Uh, cost four colorless and a white. White. Choose one or mo. More, excuse me. <laughs> the, the guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> exile are all artifacts, creatures, enchantments, graveyards. Um, this is a really good card. Um, I'm going to choose all modes, I think. And uh, away we go. Or if I have an artifact deck, or whatever. Right. I mean, like this is a really interesting thing. Um, good planner cleansing exile effect. Um, for six, which is just like right on the money so like if you're playing the blue white deck deck uh, dude i think this is like slots right in there and seems better than the other foretell one that you're probably using right now
0: yeah so it doesn't hit planeswalkers Mm. but Mm -hmm. exiling the graveyard right now matters yeah uh a substantial amount like i forgot academe's awakening was still standard legal <laughs> and it got cast on me and i was like oh huh. so like yeah. <laughs> there 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 is a certain number of decks now it should be pointed out a lot of vehicles in this format um and i do think a lot of the planeswalkers um have low enough loyalties like Renan 7 like soren like Lolth, that if you're able to clear the board and you have a man land in play which most of these decks will you should be able to kill a planeswalker. Mm, Two is probably mm-hmm. a tall order. Yes, I know Faceless Haven is not in the format anymore, but as a, you know, like if you're playing like an Esper control, blue black control, it's kind of trivial to animate your your black uh, man Manland after the turn after you play this, it has Menace. So theoretically you could get around whatever blocker they're creating. Now, uh, so it's not perfect, it's a wrath with a very specific issue. Mm -hmm. But being able to kill vehicles in this standard I think is going to matter because there are quite a few. Um, Anyway, so next up I wanted to go over Iganjo, Sea of the Empire. So all these kind of callbacks to the previous lands have been super interesting. Um, Again, and I'm looking at these things from maybe a little bit of a control perspective, but this one really fascinated me. So it's uh, Legendary Land. You can tap to add white. It does not come into play tapped, which is like all these. Um, channel, two and a white. Discard a Ganjo Seed of the Empire. It deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. So, for again, with control, like having utility within the context of legendary items or your lands is huge. Uh, but also, this kills every man land, but the blue one, I believe. Unless mm. their Lair of the Hydra gets... Uh, sure, pumped. like, like, yeah. Quite big. Um, so I think this is just another way to instant speed kill an attacking creature, which you're kind of going to be in the market for. Um, but what's weird about this card is, like, if there's just White Weenie, like, you could play this too because it comes into play untapped. Mm-hmm. It might just be a one-up, but you would always run it if it's a one of in White Weenie, right? What do yeah. you think, dude?
1: I, I mean, you know... The, the downside I always see is like legendary land okay so how many am actually putting in my deck um with the channel ability it's like well I think I'm jamming four I think if I if I'm in a control list I mean play one of these untapped and maybe I still have one in hand and then on turn three I'm casting this at, or not casting I'm sorry I'm playing this and dealing four damage to everything um and'm I'm, I'm thinking like so much of like that that turn three could really matter. Um as far as just like um the, the Asika's chariot. Um so like mono green is taken care of, mono white is taken care of. Like there's just so much where I'm like, this is this is like I'm putting four in my deck. I think it's really good.
0: Yeah, the the thing that like sticks out in my head the most that you're not gonna kill is like the Renan Seven tree token. Sure. Yeah. but like it feels like almost everything else you're getting oh, including goldsmith dragon by the way
1: yeah so yeah.
0: still a very valuable card um all right Cameron I want to see you make sense of mind link mech
1: oh dude yeah uh so we have a artifact vehicle that costs two uh colorless and a blue it has flying power and toughness of four three whenever mind leak Link Mech becomes crewed for the first time each turn until end of turn. Mine Link Mech becomes a copy of target non-legendary creature that crewed it this turn, except it's 4-3. It's a vehicle artifact in addition to its other types, and it has flying the crew of one. Um, Weird, mutable sort of, like, implication that you could have with this, which is interesting. Um... I don't know what sort of application that will actually have that will make it super valuable, but like, I mean, all of a sudden something that has death touch like that. That could be pretty good, right? I mean, like there's a, like netting some sort of additional value with like a plus one plus one counter or something like that. Interesting, good, I think. Yeah, like
0: in the past, flying vehicles have been the ones mm-hmm. that you want because you create that evasion. It should be said weirdly. There's more reach in this format than mm. normal between obviously the red and seven tokens, but also the little spider tokens. Like I can't remember a format where a reach creature actually was in play. <laughs> like in a <laughs> right. sand, like reach feels like so much more of a uh, limited uh, thing. But uh, you know, some people have kicked around. There's a, there's a one or two drop in red that has double strike, so then you could bond turn you know whatever you could have a. Uh, a four three flying double strike it do, it is weird because giving the getting the creature's abilities really opens this massive suite of things that you could do mm-hmm. um that we haven't really seen with a vehicle before yeah so it's a cool design it's a really elegant way to say hey whatever the creature can do this thing can do <laughs> also but it can still fly right um but let's just be honest like how long till a Gundam or a Pacific Rim? I'm I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, why don't you read for us our last one? Or no, I'm reading uh, this one. I'm reading this one, aren't I? Please. Man, I'm so... I, <laughs> uh, Sh- Shigeki, Jukai Visionary. Uh, it's a legendary enchantment creature snake druid. Those words are supposed to make sense together. <laughs> <laughs> um one in a gr- so it's a 1-3 creature, uh, 1 green, tap, return Shigeki to, your, to its owner's hand, reveal the top four cards of your library, you may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield tapped, put the rest onto your graveyard. Then it has channel, XX green green, discard Shigeki, return X target lawn legendary cards from your graveyard to your hand. Cameron, I want to live in a world where this is the kind of standard that we play.
1: Mm, mm -hmm.
0: I have worked so hard in my mind for like a Binding of the Old Gods, this card, a green-black, just control, Meat Hook Massacre. (laughs) You know, we're just going for it. But standard might be, probably will be too fast for this. What do you think, dude?
1: Yeah, it, I I like so much of like what this is doing. I mean, um kind of has like that Sakura tri sort of thing, which is like one of my favorite snakes of all time in Magic, right?
0: <laughs> I just one of my favorite snakes period, dude.
1: <laughs> period, right? Yeah. Uh so like this kind of has like that sort of element and I really kind of like where where this is heading. But I think you're right. I think um legendary enchantment creature 1-3, I, d- I just, maybe there's a spot for this, but, like, you're not putting this in the mono green deck, right? I mean, like, I feel like, like that slot is pretty full already, and I don't know, I don't know, but I, I love the card.
0: Yeah, green just hits so much harder right now, as does white, that futzing about with a 1-3, like... And, mm-hmm. and, like, this thing has every, like, it's legendary. It's also an enchantment, so it can get blown up by that green card that's a land. Like, it just, the Beseech you, the new Beseech you. So, there's all these problems, but, Cameron, this is the kind of magic I want. Mm-hmm. Decisions, card abilities, grinding, knowing when to, like, block and do this, when to use the channel ability. Yeah. It's
1: mm-hmm. good stuff.
0: Yeah good solid stuff all right dude well hey how have you how are you feeling about this set so far
1: uh yeah i i think um positive i wouldn't say i'm overwhelmingly positive but you know it's a new set uh it's gonna mix up standard which is what i'm like most excited for
0: yeah and i i I have like this weird nostalgia for kamigawa because it's kind of around that time that i started coming back Mm -hmm. so i it's given me some Warm fuzzies that I, I, I didn't sure. have. So, all right, man. Well, let's get out of the segment, come back, and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, dude. You're going to have to tell me what Nightmare Alley is because I do not know.
1: Okay. So, Nightmare Alley is um, the latest film from uh, acclaimed director Guillermo del Toro. Oh, Okay. Um, with Bradley and Cooper, I do know what Bradley this is. With Bradley Cooper, yeah, Kate Blanchett, um, and this is somehow both the most Guillermo yet the least Guillermo movie that I think I've seen from him. In some ways, like the production design on this, like I mean, 1930s carnival, you know, like I mean, it's right up my alley as far as like like the aesthetic and everything that he does with production design. Um, Willem Dafoe is in this. I forgot that. Like great performance from Willem Dafoe. Um, it's actually a real star studded cast when you think about it now. Um, Guillermo del Toro is, I think like one of my, th- he's in like my top five of like favorite working directors that we have right now. He's a genuine treasure. I think everything he does, he he does super, super well. It may not be my favorite movie, but I really respect everything that he does. Massive tragedy
0: Um, that he did not end up doing The Hobbit, by the way. Oh my gosh,
1: right? Yeah. Genuine tragedy. Pacific Rim. I mean, let's just talk about that for the next three hours. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, But no, Nightmare Alley, Bradley Cooper, 1930s carnival sort of um, thing where he's a mentalist. So he, he kind of reads people by like seeing like the types of shoes they wear, how they speak and whatnot. And then we'll um, try to like, I speak to the dead and here's like the person that I'm, I'm communicating with the dead through me. Right. And he channels that sort of thing, but he's totally a fraud. And that's kind of the movie. And it, I was expecting it to be Guillermo. So it's going to go into some real cerebral, like real metaphysical sort of things. And I guess without spoiling anything, it it just it subverted my expectations because it's a Guillermo movie, where it didn't quite meet where I was expecting it to go. It wasn't bad, but um, it just was it was different. Um, I would recommend this movie though. Like I mean, just for the production design, it's just a well-made period piece with like incredible actors, like real A-listers. Done by like one of the best working directors we have right now
0: so what's it streaming on it's on hbo got it got it um well one day i will i usually watch his films Mm -hmm. um i pan's labyrinth i this is kind of a long way around the horn but i ended up watching a screener of that before um and i had to go over to a buddy's house who (laughs) got his hands on a screener they got sent to a TV station um, and was blown away by that movie. Uh, I also love Pacific Rim. Uh, but also, let's not forget these Hellboy movies, man. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I want to talk to you about a rewatch I did of one mm-hmm. of my favorite movies of all time. I had probably not watched it in eight years, and it's Lawrence of Arabia. So mm-hmm. it's, it's worth pointing out this movie is a movie I didn't experience until I was in college. And you hear so much about it. If you've never seen it, it's very, very, very different than you think it is. But I have the, the Blu-ray remaster of it that they released. I don't know, probably, gosh, it's probably 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you've seen this, right, Cameron? We, we've, I don't know. Several, we've ever really several had...
1: times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and, a director i can't remember who david Someone's, Lean. yeah i'm i'm not talking about the guy who made it i'm talking about oh, the, a different director talking about it cuz it was on the afi top oh, 100 okay. movies oh, sorry sorry and and they they were talking about um how they think it's the most visually intimidating movie ever made <laughs> and it's so worth it and what i would say to you is if you're someone out there that's never seen this i would recommend treating it like a tv show cuz it's a 4 hour long film there's a massive like, score intro that takes a few minutes to play out while you're just looking at a black screen. There's an intermission. It is old-school Hollywood. Mm. And it is true that watching it is like, you cannot believe that someone got this footage. Like, it is, it is the equivalent of how did someone discover flight for the first time kind of thing. <laughs> like, you just can't put together how someone with a camera from the early 60s, did
1: this not right? just a camera but like you know twice the size of a normal film camera right i mean this was like on 65 panavision yeah
0: yeah yeah and so there's all these like iconic moments there's like this the sacking of this town that like you literally see them ride the whole way through and out the other end from the cliff tops or there's this amazing kind of like where they exit to battle and there's these like you know uh, Bedouin women making these like calls from all the mountaintops and stuff. There's just it's just such an experiential movie. But the thing that I love about it is unlike something like the Ten Commandments or any of these other old Hollywood movies, this movie really does not play safe with what the main character is, and you you're kind of stunned that like this movie was made for this budget. And is telling this kind of a story about the dangers of leadership and ego and how it can like not just ruin your life but those around you and your relationships with those people around you. And it's a really, really brave story considering the canvas that it's on. Because now when we tell a big movie, everybody's got to feel good. Everybody's Mm got to be a, a decent human being. Not basically constantly seeking out self-destruction and self-loathing the way that Lawrence is. And it's just such an incredible look at that stuff. And Mm. I mean, I'm not saying something that, you know, but like it's up there with like The Godfather is a movie you really, 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 really need to see if you've never seen it. If nothing else, just for the cultural, you know, the man is nothing, the well is everything, all that stuff. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, and like, that desert crossing at the like, uh, there's so many good parts. But like the 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 iconic part at the what like quarter way through the movie or whatever, where so like essentially he rescues somebody while they're doing like this giant trek across no man's land. Um, it's just so so good, and like feel the tension, feel the heat. Um, yeah, it's just beautifully communicated through film, right? Yeah, and I mean,
0: and in a lot of ways, it's this perfect marriage of score, of Mm. performances by the actors. It's kind of weird because, like, you would think there are, and there are some racial difficulties kind of built into this. But it's remarkable how forward-looking it is compared to, like, if you were to drop into the middle of the 60s and see how other people from other, you know, outside of america are treated ethnically like this movie is much more i think culturally diverse and thoughtful perfect Mm -hmm. not by not by any stretch of the imagination but you know compared to breakfast at tiffany's it's pretty (laughs) stinking good right (laughs) so anyway lawrence of arabia if you haven't checked it out watch it uh cameron if someone would like to tell you what the best deserts to cross on camel are, where could they find you?
1: It's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy,
0: and I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week.